Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles everywhere, to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro with you. As we start the week with some optimism, the NFL schedule out for 2020, and the Eagles opening the season once again against the Washington Redskins. As the Eagles, remember the last time the Eagles were there? Big catch. Carson Wentz touchdown pass. Greg Ward the catch. Let's take a listen to that just to kind of refresh the memories. A key win on the Eagles' march to the NFC title in 2019. 11th play in the drive. Wentz looking around to the end zone. Throws in the back corner. It is a touchdown! And so that's how the regular season begins. It also ends against the Washington Redskins January 3rd at Lincoln Financial Field. For all of the details, check us out here, PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Our social channels lauded for a great schedule presentation featuring, of course, Swoop. Why not? Anyway, today on the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group, a fascinating conversation. Jake Rosenberg is the Eagles' Vice President of Football Administration. He plays a key role working with Howie Roseman and Andy Weidel on the development and implementation of the club's plan for player signings and acquisitions. He also plays a key role in all aspects of the salary cap management, contract negotiations, compliance with the NFL's collective bargaining agreements, as well as the club's strategic planning. He's been with the Eagles since 2012. Prior to that, he was a bond and commodities trader from 1999 to 2011. We had him on last year. He talked about the Carson Wentz contract and took us behind the scenes there. Here, well, we're going to talk about behind the scenes since March 12th. The Eagles closed the Novacare complex on that day. And what's happened since then? Only a global pandemic, the start of free agency, the NFL draft, Perhaps the busiest time of the year for Jake Rosenberg. Here we go, one-on-one inside the Philadelphia Eagles. Jake Rosenberg, a funny thing happened on the way to a global pandemic. The collective bargaining agreement was agreed to, and boy, it kind of slid under the radar a bit. And so I thank you for joining the Eagles Insider Podcast, and let's start there. How are you, first of all? How's, how is it working at home for you? Uh, I'm great, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Namaste to you. It's been Namaste, a little while yes. since we had the opportunity to get together in that context. Uh, it's been good, interesting, like everybody else. Just, uh, you know, happy that at this point my family is safe and healthy. We're here together and we're trying to make the best of it. Uh, and, you know, it's been six or seven weeks of us working from home and in my area, probably the busiest, amongst the busiest six or seven weeks of the year. So it's been very interesting. All right. So let's, let's clarify the timing of everything. The CBA is agreed to by the players association on March 14th, if I recall correctly, at which point the Eagles have already vacated the Novacare complex. And then the next day, the negotiation period begins for that three-day window prior to free agency. 
Am I on the right path? You're on the right path. I think the CBA was formally approved. Um, voting ended Saturday night, that um, March 14th, and then we were officially found. We officially found out Sunday morning, the 15th. So, roughly 24 hours prior to the official negotiating period beginning, which started Monday the 16th at noon. So we had about 24, 25 hours um, where we definitively knew what the rules of engagement were going and forward. So what were those, Jake, what were those 24, 25 hours like for you? I, I would imagine you prepared for every scenario that you could imagine prior to that because, my gosh, free agency is right around the corner. Yeah, I mean, I think the last time we got together some uh, 11 months ago or so, we had discussed, you know, quite a bit about the planning um, that we had gone through. I say we, you know, everybody who touches our area, you know, pertaining to cap or contracts, negotiations, Howie, myself, Bryce Johnston, Aileen DeGrosa, um, anybody really involved, we, you know, we had prepared several years in advance thinking through um, what the rules would be like in 2020 if there was no collective bargaining agreement that had been um, reached at that point. So we felt really good about the extent of our planning and um, that we had, had really done everything we possibly could to put ourselves in the most advantageous position possible. Um, but we also, for the sake of the league and the big picture and, and all of us going forward, um, you know, we were certainly rooting for a deal to be done. Um, we, yeah, it didn't come down to anything drastically changing in the 24 hours between the CBA being passed and the start of free agency because we had, had really done all our work. We had, um, you know, two parallel tracks and we were ready to proceed down whichever one um, they told us we would have to play by. So we were, we were ready to roll. Jake, did you, have you read the entire CBA agreement, which is what, like 400 plus pages? Uh, <laughs> have I read the entire thing? No, I have not read the entire thing. I look forward to having the time where I could consider reading the entire thing. Um, I'll see where it ranks on my priority list. Now I've read the relevant sections that, you know, govern our area and that come into play. Um, you know, we ran red lines between the previous version and the new version. So we would be, you know, most familiar with, with what had changed and on top of it. Um, yeah, I would say that, that, that that's it. So there's a lot of sections in it while relevant to the NFL as a whole don't really come into play into what we're doing. Um, and so, you know, I'll be familiar with what those sections are, but not necessarily like reading them word for word. Okay. So in your world, um, what is relevance with this CBA? What is extraordinary? Or, I mean, we've got labor peace. We know as a top line item through the 2030 season, which is great news for everybody, but what does it mean? Like how did the cap change and what are some particulars that, the league each team now has to deal with? Um, well, I, I think what, so I don't really see there being any like tremendously life altering um, changes in this deal versus the last um, that affect the way teams, you know, manage their cap. 
um, or fundamentally, you know, would change the way they approach their their contracts. Um, I think, like you said, the the biggest thing is just the peace of mind, knowing that we basically have 11 years um, where the idea of a work stoppage, you know, won't come into play. It gives us a lot of certainty that the rules that, you know, the rules of engagement won't change. And when we structure contracts, um, we kind of, we know the environment that we're playing in. But I think the biggest thing in the CBA was just, just the certainty. There's some changes, some nuances that, um, you know, different names that they're calling things or a few different tools we could use maybe to retain players. Um, but for the most part, there was nothing that, was earth shattering and and you know we had we had been given a, a pretty good heads up as to you know the nature of some of the changes and just ways to prepare so we were we were good that's good that's good news jake i thought it, there would be a lot of little hidden pieces that you really had to consider you know um or potential loopholes that you could exploit or the team could exploit <laughs> you know because you're always looking for advantages obviously i mean so the so, the, so basically, it was a pretty straightforward. Teams were prepared for what was in the CBA, and it didn't dramatically alter your preparation going into, as you say, pretty much the most hectic time of your year. Yeah, no, it it didn't. I mean, we we generally knew what to expect and and had some time to to consider, you know, what it would be like if it was approved, and then. Um, as I mentioned, for several years, we had been considering what would be the case if we started the 2020 league year um, with the last league year rules that applied based on the end of the prior CBA. So we were prepared for both eventualities, um, understood pros and cons. You know, I think some some teams, if we had gone into the last league year, um, would have been significantly disadvantaged. And, you know, part of me as a competitor was curious just to see how that would work out. And I felt like we had an advantage just in the length of time we had spent preparing, the nature of our, you know, preparations. I feel um, unbelievably um, positive and confident in the team that's around me. And I generally don't feel like anyone is out preparing us. So I was curious about how that would work out. But for the sake of the entire league, us, um, and stability, the fans, this was clearly the best outcome. It's really a credit, Jake, I think, before we get into the specifics kind of of the Eagles and free agency, because it was such a successful period of free agency and a significant period. I, I was so happy. I think everybody was with the work the Eagles did in free agency. But from a, you know, from a, just a step, taking a step back, great credit to the league, great credit to the Players Association for for achieving this historic agreement, because I mean, my gosh, 11 years of, of labor peace is huge in this prior to COVID-19, prior to this. What a remarkable achievement on both sides. As you step back and look at it, are you, do you feel like, hey, man, something really got achieved here and both sides need to kind of be happy and, and deserve credit for this? Yeah, I think so. It's, it's, a, it's a very difficult job to sit in those seats and negotiate. You know, you look at the Players Association, you just look at, the National Football League, um, the extent um, to which players' interests vary. You know, there's all kinds of different segments in the league and, you know, tax brackets, if you will. And, you know, with each of those come a completely different set, probably, of priorities and interests. And 
there's just a lot lot to take into account there. I think that, um, you know, at the end of the day, when you do take a step back, you realize that for the sake of the league, the stability and the big picture, the pie, if you will, you know, everyone has a mutual interest in growing that pie. And the best situation is that pie continues to grow. And all that we're all concerned about is how that pie is divided between, um, you know, clubs and players and, and things like that. So for the, the sake of the sake of that, I think this was clearly the best outcome. You know, I didn't really get too involved in um, some of the things that reached the media as far as the players are concerned. You know, it, it is a really, really difficult job that, that they have in terms of balancing all those things. So, you know, just excited about it going forward and, and not have to worry about that. Put that in the rearview mirror. All the 2020 last league year planning we did wound up being for nothing, but it was a great exercise and, um, you know, I think a, a theme that Howie hits on all the time and um, that really is brought to light when you deal with something like that is, you know, it really takes a village. We have a lot of really, really good, smart people and um, we were we were prepared. So then, Jake, let's we're, we're back it's on Sunday, March 15th. The world is not completely shut down at this point, but the pre free agency period is here. What does that exactly mean to the league? What are you allowed to do? Sure. Um, so starting Monday, March 16th at noon, um, we are allowed to speak to agents um, in respect to uh, unrestricted free agents. Um, an unrestricted free agent, quite simply, is any player who's got four years or more whose contract is expiring um, as of the end of the Current league, you're going into the, the next one. Um, any of those players, we were allowed to speak to their agents um, and discuss, you know, potential fit, um, whether the player would be interested in coming, and then um, contract terms as well. We're not allowed to execute any contracts um, prior to the start of the new league year. We're not allowed to talk about, you know, in this case, it was a, a moot point, but we're not allowed to talk about travel plans, you know, planning visits or anything like that. Um, but we can get to the nuts and bolts and try to, you know, maybe not get entirely down the, you know, um, down the aisle to the altar, but walk a good, good percentage of the way down there. You know, by the time um, we start the league year, in that case, Wednesday, the 18th at 4 p.m., um, I think that most teams probably had a good sense of which free agents that they had targeted, they had a, a good chance of getting in and what the deal might look like. And at this point, you're not allowed, obviously not allowed to talk to any players, just agents. Correct. Um, that is one of the stipulations that in that, that window from noon on Monday through four o'clock on Wednesday, um, all conversations need to take place through the player's representative and all the conversations need to be um, someone like in my position in the football administration or general manager. Um, it's not a time for coaches to be jumping on the phone with players and trying to recruit them. So that is another stipulation um, about that process. I wonder how competitive is that environment at that time? Is it, um, I mean, you're, are you aware of other teams that are having conversations with agents? Do you not know? I mean, take me through that. Um, yeah, everything we do is competitive. 
every single thing that we do, I think um, we are competing with other teams. We're competing with each other. I think that's the nature of the people that are involved in this business and, and just what happens. Um, I think for the sake of any negotiation, you want as much information as possible. Um, I wouldn't confine that to players. I would confine I would say that that's, you know, negotiating the price of a car, or, you know, any, anything, negotiating the price of a house. You want comps. You want to know who else is involved, how many other bidders are there. So that's something that we definitely try to have access to. I mean, you want to know if you're the only bidder on a player versus whether, you know, one of your division rivals or whether there's three other teams involved and um, what their situation is from a cap perspective. How do they normally negotiate their deals from a structure um, perspective and yeah I think that's that's certainly something you're trying to get um, you know we stress and I know we talked about this the last time um, I had the tremendous opportunity to speak to you uh, we talked about how important relationships are um, that's with agents that's across the league and and so yeah I mean you're trying to have mutually beneficial or symbiotic relationships where you're all helping each other, you know, get to a, a certain goal and, and getting information certainly fits in that. One, what is your role, Jake, in free agency? And how do you think it went, not from a, hey, we got this blue chip player or that, mm -hmm. but from a from a kind of finalizing and, and seeing through the blueprints and making sure that it all worked from a numbers standpoint? Yeah, um, I think that it went, remarkably well um again not not you know saying that i know how the specific players that we got will work out but from a logistical standpoint um obviously that was our first week working from home and trying to deal with the the new world that we were faced with understanding how we were going to communicate pass information along things like that which are you know crucial to our process typically, you know, peek my head into Howie's door, you know, ask him a question, Bryce comes in, any of those things when you have personal involvement are a lot easier. In this particular case, um, I think one of the challenges was it it just takes a lot more effort and energy um, to communicate even basic things because, you know, when you're typing or you're doing, um, you know, a video conference, uh, it just, you, you just need to make sure that, you don't take anything for granted that everything's communicated. And I think um, to the credit of our technology department, um, we were, you know, really, really well equipped to go through this process. There was not a huge learning curve. There was really no drop off. Um, I think at the end of the day, what we wound up doing was unaffected by the circumstances. You know, um, we were able to conduct business, very similar to the way that we normally would. You know, I, like I said, we had to work harder just to make sure everyone was on the same page. I think there were a couple, you know, uh, a couple like, you know, very minor, like, hey, I didn't know that, you know, you didn't tell me that, but nothing, no results were affected by any means. I think that's just normal, normal stuff as you're learning how to exist in this normal world. I've never, um, since I've been here working in the NFL, I've never been in a circumstance where we were intentionally working from home. Like, you know, there'll be a day or two we'll take periodically, but it's really, 
we're, when we're home, we're not working. We're not staying home typically with the idea that we're going to be conducting business. So for us, this was a completely new environment, new way to operate. Um, and again, I give, you know, credit to the fact that we had the technological tools just to hit the ground running. Um, my setup here and my house, I never pondered uh, when I was setting up my house that I'd be spending, you know, weeks or months working from home because that's just not the nature of my job. Uh, and yet I've spent, you know, all the free agency, pre-draft, three days of the draft, um, working from a setup about 12 feet from the bed that I sleep in at night. Um, totally strange. You would never have imagined <laughs> this to be possible. But, yeah, unbelievable what, what we've been able to to do and get through the, the busiest part of, you know, a football administration. This is certainly the busiest part. We've added, you know, over 20 players in the, the last week. We added, you know, a ton of free agents and retained some of our own players and all that was accomplished while we were working from our respective homes. You know, the question uh, with free agency, when, when you're able to add uh, a uh, Darius Slay and sign him to a new contract and a Javon Hargrave and then a bunch of players to one-year deals, a very active period in free agency, which came, you know, roughly 12, 13 months after signing Carson Wentz to a contract that most in the media said would really hamper the Philadelphia Eagles in terms of adding those kinds of players that once the quarterback was off the rookie deal and into a long-term, very lucrative deal, that would really hamper the ability for the Eagles to have a lot of flexibility. It hasn't seemed that way. Am I reading that correctly? And if that's the case, why is that? Um, yeah, I don't know that it's hampered us. Um, I think, you know, like, like I went back, you know, we talked about the, the planning side of things. Um, I mean, we were planning for this for a long time as far as Carson's contract. You know, we had planned from a negotiation standpoint um, and structure standpoint. But I think from a team building perspective, uh, we were also planning for it and understood, you know, what what it meant to have a quarterback on um, – on a market adjusted deal rather than a rookie deal. Um, I think within the, within the system, within the CBA and the way the cap is managed, um, you do have flexibility and you have the ability to structure deals in different ways and be creative. Um, and that's really the challenge. I think that's one of the, the best things about, um, about the task that we all have every day is you have this, salary cap, you have a fixed number, and you're just trying to allocate that in the way that you think gives you the best chance of winning games and winning a championship. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think that you would say, well, A, B, and C are different as a result of us having a quarterback who's no longer on a rookie deal. Uh, I think that that's our job is just to figure it out. I mean, how he says that all the time, just figure it out. You gotta, you, you know, it's not enough to just throw up your hands and say, oh, we, you know, we have a problem here now. What's the solution? Let's figure out. Let's move on. Jake, let's go to the draft now. And what was it like for you? Um, were the Eagles able to replicate as best as they could, obviously, to, to what you had at Novacare? How was, and, and within that, four trades on day three, including acquiring a veteran? I mean, 
what was the experience like for you during the draft? And then we'll hit the post-draft period right after that. Sure. Um, the actual draft itself was, you know, so fundamentally different from what my typical draft experience would be, you know, not being in a draft room with um, those that I spend so much time with every day. I think it, you know, that's typically just a, a great time where we're all together um, and it's really exciting to add players to the team. Um, but in this circumstance, knowing that that wasn't possible, just seeing the work that was done to give us every opportunity um, to have the best process and communication um, was pretty incredible. I mean, those guys um, and our technology and video, um, they did just such a, an amazing job. I mean, my setup here and, you know, believe me, on the, the food chain as it comes to the draft, I'm way, way down on the totem pole. Um, but, you know, I felt like I was back in my trading days. I had uh, five or six screens here. I had three computers. I really had um, every opportunity to not miss any information, you know, not miss the opportunity to completely be in the loop with um, everybody that I would typically be communicating with, you know, as it, um, as we handle trades, you know, that part was pretty straightforward. Um, I was able to coordinate, you know, just as far as dealing with the other team, dealing, you know, with trade papers on our side um, with Aileen and Bryce, you know, understanding what the trade was from Howie. Um, all that was extremely smooth. And then for me, maybe one of the, you know, one of the highlights of being here by myself in my bedroom for three days of the draft um, was the fact that my family was here. And to some extent, they got a much better appreciation for what it's actually like and how much goes into that process, um, you know, leading up to the draft. Um, and then the what actually occurs in the draft, what what is behind when we select a player? How does that go? You know, hearing maybe how we speak to the player right when we pick them. Um, things like that where you know, my family got to kind of um, sit and co-pilot a little bit and understand. I thought that that was, that was phenomenal. I never would have imagined um, that my son, who's really into this and, you know, he, you know, he at certain points, a little too, he's asking me 50 <laughs> questions a day leading into the draft. Um, but where he gets to understand like that perspective, I think he'll take with him, you know, going forward, for a long time. He understands a lot more about what's involved and how these players get on our team. And um, so it was awesome. That's cool. Hey, what about the post-draft period? Because I, at Novacare, it's always such a, a, an interesting time when the draft ends and everybody scatters with their cell phones and their job is to recruit players that they've had relationships with who did not get drafted. What is your role there and how did that process play out? Yeah, the, the post-draft period is um, it's like the blessing and the curse. I am super excited to go through that process, and I know how unbelievably important it is to the team building. We have a chance to add some really, really good players, totally deserving of opportunity, um, and inevitably several of those are going to be guys who contribute for us on Sundays. Um, but – it is frenetic. It's chaotic. Um, it's it's really again not to keep involving trading, but there are elements of it that are similar to an old school open outcry trading environment. Um, 
when, and just to, to familiarize anyone who is still listening um, with what that process is like. So up until the last pick of the last round, um, we're not able to negotiate with players. Um, any player who's not selected in the seven rounds is thereby eligible to be signed as of that last pick being made. So what you're allowed to do prior to that is you're allowed to speak to agents and you're actually allowed to speak to players, um, not about any of the financial stuff, but, hey, is this a place you could see yourself? Um, do you like the fit here? You know, we really like you. It's like a, it's a, a very weird process, you know, but the thing that I love about it and that, you know, really gets, gets me juiced about it is um, it's, Everybody is working together. We have, you know, groups of scouts and coaches, uh, myself, the people I work with. We're we're all trying to help basically recruit these players. Um, and it's kind of a pure process in terms of you're trying to, you know, you all also, every player thinks they're going to be drafted, you know, some higher than others. So you, it's a little delicate in terms of you're having a conversation on a contingency, hey, understand that you probably will be drafted. If you're not, um, you know, we have A, B, and C. This is a great scheme fit for you. Um, we have a great development program, which we do here, and we spend a lot of time and resources in trying to make sure um, that when players get here, even the players who initially aren't playing a lot on Sundays, um, that their development doesn't end when training camp ends. So those are things that we try to bring the players' attentions to, you know, college players just just looking to start out in the NFL, agents, they may not know about those things. Um, and we feel really good about how much of an impact that makes on our overall program and to our players. And we're excited generally to share that with them and hope it gives a leg up. I just, that whole process um, is really gratifying. Um, I take you know, somewhat of a leadership role in trying to organize it and make sure the logistics go right. Um, but when you see how hard the coaches and scouts and everybody are working to really put this building, this program, everything about the Philadelphia Eagles in the best light and get players here, um, I, I love that side of it. It's like, you know, an ultimate team sport within the sport. Um, and when we get a good class of undrafted free agents, like I really feel like we got a great class this year and we're going to have, you know, quite a few of these players, um, who will definitely make a mark for us. Um, you know, I, I, I love that. It's an amazing thing. And that's one of those processes that very few people probably even know are going on. You know, they'll probably look, you know, see on social media Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, oh, this team signed a bunch of undrafted free agents. But the amount of work that goes into that um, and the long process leading into it is is pretty pretty unbelievable. And when you talk about being competitive, every team is saying the same thing. We've got a great scheme fit for you. So it's really recruiting at its best. It's sales pitch at its best. That must it be is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a ton of it's a ton of fun. Um, I think that you know, when you believe what you're selling, it's a lot easier to sell. And I think that it's gratifying when agents or players say to you, yeah, I've, you know, I've heard it's a great place to play. I've heard it's a great building. I've heard you got a great culture. You know, I love 
Coach Peterson, you know, all those kinds of things, which inevitably you hear, yeah, that's, that's a little bit of like the proof of concept. That's what you're trying to build. You're trying to build um, a program that players and agents really want to be part of, right? I mean, um, and so when you get into those conversations and you're, you're hearing a college player himself who may not specifically know anybody who's played here, but maybe some of, you know, he may have known a, a, a teammate down the line or whatever the case may be. Um, you really do learn a lot about, you know, how you're perceived and things like that. And when you're able to, to get players to commit, you know, you're not talking typically um, once you are able to discuss financials. It's, it's typically not a recruitment process where, you know, we're, our resources that we could spend in that process are confined. Everybody has like a small, relatively small amount of signing bonus that they can allocate over all of their undrafted free agents. So it typically doesn't come down to money so much. You know, you're recruiting on fit and opportunity. Um, and, yeah, there's a mutual buy-in that needs to occur, and I think that that's, that's probably the most gratifying thing. It's, this isn't just, like, a high bidder situation um, where a player's just coming because you're paying him, you know, X plus one. In this case, most of the money winds up being similar um, so yeah, it's, it's exciting. I like it. I love it. It's for me, um, you know, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not a scout. I'm not intimately involved in the, um, player selection process in the draft. You know, I'm, I'm part of it. I, you know, help where I can, but for me an undrafted free agency and being able to have a little bit more impactful role, I love, it's, it's awesome. Jake, we are now past the frenzy and I go to overthecap.com and I go to spot rack and I look and I see the Eagles have X amount of millions of dollars under the cap. A, how accurate is that? Um, and I've asked you that before, but I always love to hear mm -hmm. the answer. And then B, how would you describe the state of the Eagles salary cap moving forward 2020 and beyond? Um, those sites are accurate enough. Uh, you know, I think that they, they do a great job over the cap. I think I gave them a shout out last time. They really do a great job in, in trying to understand the nuances and, and really help um, just everybody out there understand some of the, the more detail oriented um, aspects. And they're really trying to um, get everything right in terms of their contracts. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's certain details that they're not privy to and not to their own fault, but um, but it's it's good enough to understand generally where teams are, um, and our cap is our cap is good. I mean, you know, I I definitely um, would use caution when the only thing that you look at is what the team's cap space is at a given moment in time, you know, and use that as a barometer for how active they could be this season or something like that. You know, I would just say that the the real approach would be to look at it over a multi-year period probably and the fact that you're able to carry space from one year into the next um really brings a limitation on being able to look at it at the one in the one moment in time type of thing you know i think for us like i think we talked about this last time but you know we had been preparing for last league year for several years so we were creating extra space with the idea that 
we would be just rolling it forward because we might need it in 2020 with last league year rules. So if all you did was look in 2018 at a given moment, how much space we had, or all you looked at a given moment in 2019, how much space we had and said, oh, well, the Eagles can afford to, you know, to sign such and such a player, you know, while technically that's true, there's more strategy involved. It's not just that simplistic of a, an issue, you know, or um, of an analysis. So, yeah, we're, I mean, I think that we are always in the business of trying to win and trying to win a championship. We're not trying to take years off and we're not trying to kind of um, reset the table or anything like that. So we're managing um, every decision that we make. We're trying to look at a multi-year period and just understand what does this get us in the short term and how does this affect us in the long term? Um, and we're going to do our best to, to manage that way. And, and always, um, if we have anything to do about it, keep ourselves in a position to compete for championships. Jake, I think you've said it all. You've delivered. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. You're fantastic. I have a complete comprehensive understanding of where the Eagles are and what it's been like for you in the last two months. It's been fantastic. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining Thanks for having me. I really, really do appreciate the the opportunity to talk with you and, and share some of, of what we do, some of the uh, lesser understood aspects of the NFL. Yeah, st stay safe and change those sweatpants every now and then, okay? Will do. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Jake. And we thank Jake for his great insight there. Fascinating interview. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you so much, Jake Rosenberg. And thanks to Ray Doyle and Peter Kelly for their work putting this together. We thank you for joining us each and every week here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. On Wednesday, I've got linebacker TJ Edwards, who's going to have a key role this year. Let's find out what the second-year linebacker has to say about his chances to make an impact in the Eagles' defense in 2020. If you have a moment to give us a review or a rating and some words of encouragement or constructive criticism, please do so. The link is included in the details section here on Apple Podcasts. And I thank you once again for joining us, everyone. Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro with you. Have yourselves a great Eagles day, everyone. Stay safe, stay sound, and fly, Eagles fly. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles!